ulterior. Okay, so here is something that I want to establish right before actually getting into this episode's um, topics and whatnot discourse. Um, this could very well end up being the most negative episode of Ulterior, the show that I've ever put out. Um, that is not by design. I feel like I just have some points that I want to make and they happen to involve me saying not as many nice positive things about music that I have tried to over the last year or whatever the duration of the show has spanned. So that's just me getting that out the way right now. Uh, so this episode, look new. Uh, I can't even talk anymore because my brain is all flustered from a bunch of other shit. I apologize. Um, we're going to be looking at new singles from the likes of Yumi at Six, Bolivia, Charlotte Sands, Acres, and a couple of others. And then brand new records from Palisades, Villain of the Story, Patient 67, and Fame on Fire. So yeah, thanks everyone. Enjoy this episode. So I've been asked to give my thoughts about the retirement of Vince McMahon, and I really only want to say this. I'm supposed to feel sorry for that bitch. I don't. And that's where I'm going to leave that. So uh, I do want to go ahead and get into the music because I feel like I'm going to end up rambling and talking a lot about some of the records later on. So let's just start with the singles like I normally do. The number one ranked song for Cindy like this past week came from Yumi at Six, and it is called Deep Cuts. I didn't expect this at all last week, and I'm not just talking about the track itself being a thing, but the quality of it is what I'm really getting at because that's just an element that, in my opinion, has not really been prevalent within Yumi at 6 for a minute now. Um, and that's all like pertaining to just the ulterior platform because the last record, Sucker Punch, um, or Sucker Punch, I apologize, was one of the first albums that I listened to for review purposes, and I never got around to posting the review for Sucker Punch, but it was at that like five or six out of ten line because it, it, to me it sounded fine, but it was just like not memorable at all. Nothing about it stuck. I can't tell any of you guys a melody or a line that I gravitate towards, whereas I am confident that I'm not going to have that issue with deep cuts in the future. This song is catchy. It has an instantly recognizable riff at the start of the song akin to like Can't Stop by the Red Hot Chip Peppers or Helicopter by Block Party. And the energy is just fucking infectious all throughout it. Um, I, I really do think that this is as golden of a start as Yumi at Six could have brought to Rise Records. And it pretty much for myself paints Truth Decay as something to really look forward to for 2023. And that's going to be the next album by Yumi at Six. Um, Polyphia. I could fucking talk about this band for hours on end, and I'm pretty sure that's what this year is going to amount to. But for now, look at the new single, Neurotica. Neurotica. 
there are some details out right now about this new Polyphia record this year, and I emphasize the phrase some because this is a very strange rollout. Um, the record is called Remember That You Will Die, which is an appreciated sentiment, and the artwork looks fucking amazing, and then there's like um, pre-order shit and uh, the variants and whatnot, or uh, not the variants, but um, like different deluxe uh, versions, I guess, and that's kind of all that there is to go off of for now. Uh, there is no release date other than a fall timeline. There is no track list that's publicly available. So yeah, there were some really strange steps being taken by Polyphia and Rise in the lead up to this record. But what's not strange to me is the quality of this track, because in my opinion, this is Polyphia personified. This falls pretty comfortably in alignment with some of the earlier stuff from this band, like that stretch spanning from Muse into Renaissance and then into The Most Hated. Um, I think the main melody from Tim that has like this whiny effect to it is so infectious and I haven't been able to get it out of my head all week. And truthfully, like I know I might have sounded condescending in some regards about the new album, but I'm really not worried about it because it's Polyphia. We've already gotten to hear both this song and Playing God. Their track record speaks for itself in my eyes. Remember That You Will Die is going to do just fine beating any underperforming or underdelivering allegations. I would hope. There is another new single out by Charlotte Sands. This one is called Roller Coaster. I think Charlotte is one of the MVPs of the year so far. Uh, she had the Love and Other Lies EP at the start of 2022, and then Loved You a Little with the main Taking Back Sunday, and the Hallelujah remix by Under Oath, and Out of My Head featuring Aaron Galepsi, and the alternate versions of Dress, and there's a song with Sleeping in Sirens out on their next record featuring her. Um, basically, I'm really trying to put over her because, to me, she is on an incredible run at the moment, and Roller Coaster provides the perfect expansion for this arc. I really, really fuck with the, like, I guess, like, slow and emotional pacing of the track and how it never feels like there's anything trying to overshadow Charlotte's delivery while giving lines like, I was something new, 22, you were older, and tell me, do you feel like a man? Because even when you're gone, I'm in the palm of your hand. Can we slower Roller Coaster? Um... I think up to this point, she has been able to show a level of versatility that is only matched by a select few in the scene, and she is more than deserving of her continued success. Um, I, I don't know how many people are familiar with the band Acres, so let me go ahead and try and introduce them through the new single, Burning Throne. So there had been no activity by Acres since their 2019 album Lonely World, which I thought was like a real sleeper hit for the year. Um, I, I don't know how many people ever listened to it, but if a sound that channels 2000s post-hardcore interests you, then check out Lonely World. But as for Burning Throne, 
This song more so lies in the realm of modern alternative metal that focuses on explosive choruses, and that's exactly what they were able to properly execute here. Um, like it, to me, it's absolutely easy to imagine a larger band like Bring Me the Horizon or A Mice and Man utilizing something like this, and I think Akers did an excellent job crafting and chasing that kind of a sound that appeals to them in the present day, and I know for a fact that as a fan, it appeals to me. The final single that I'm going to detail for this episode comes from Silent Planet, and it is Signal. We only just recently got Era Descent, it felt like. But I'm not going to complain about getting new Silent Planet so quickly and being able to watch these guys seemingly move on to the next phase of their careers. And I say that because of the caption from their Instagram when Signal was released. We hope you enjoy the first chapter. More will come when you are ready. Once Signal kicks in, it is fucking ferocious and magnificent. And to me, it holds its own against the best of Silent Planet's material. Um, and then even when you're like given some space to breathe in the bridge, the whole time you're just noticing the buildup and you know that once the breakdown comes in, it is going to be breathtaking and that is exactly what happened. Silent Planet's brand of metalcore is beyond exciting in my opinion and there are really not many projects like them in the genre doing it like them and it's just genuinely really, really fucking rewarding to get to watch play out. These were the remaining singles from last week that I gave either a 4 or a 5 to in the reviews on social media. To Take Your Place by 156 Silence, I Find It Hard by Ian Dior, Simulated by Mayfield, The Hard Way by Pale Waves, Everywhere Everything by Polar, The Dying Song Time to Sing by Slipknot, Dedication to Flesh by Spite, Open Up My Head by Stick to Your Guns, and Keyhole Romance by Thought Crimes. There was one song I gave a 3 to and that was So What by Drippin' So Pretty. Uh, to me, it's kind of just customary at this point for Drippin' So Pretty to like have good songs and then some not so good songs and... You know, it kind of just is what it is, but I'm still going to follow what he's doing because I think when he is like at top of his game, he's fucking excellent. And yeah, that's going to do it for the singles. And now I'm going to get into the records. There are four of them and there are some stories for me to tell about some of these releases. And I'm going to start with Reaching Hypercritical by Palisades. And I say that a little bit begrudgingly because this review is not going to go the way I would have expected it to. Um, okay, here's where I'm going to start. Uh, last week, I put out a tweet on the Ulterior account saying something along the lines of, if bands don't start hooping, then the top 50 records of the year list is going to be cut down to 25. The catalyst for that tweet was me listening to Reaching Hypercritical for the first time in full. Um, and uh, there are reasons why I'm probably being harsh on this record. Um, and all of it is rooted in how I feel about Palisades. So let me kind of just, you know, go over briefly my history with this band, how I feel about them. Um, I thought Outcast was a fucking phenomenal debut record. Mind Games is so good. There are so many tracks off of there that I go back to regularly. 
self-titled Palisades, one of the best albums of the last decade. I cannot get over fucking Fall and Aggression, Let Down, Cold Heart, Warm Blood, Personal. Like, there's so much shit on that record that it just invigorates me. I love Palisades self-titled with all my fucking heart. And then even Erase the Pain, which I wasn't like so high on, uh, some fucking bangers on that record, dude. Push is one of my favorite Palisade songs ever. And to follow all that up with the proper context, this Palisades is vastly different from that Palisades that I've been speaking about. Last year, we found out that Lou, who had been the band's vocalist for a decade, was leaving Palisades and the bassist Brandon would be taking over his spot. Um, the first single under Brandon's leadership would be My Consequences, and, okay, fair enough. Fair enough. It's a good song, and while it didn't maybe get me super excited for the future of Palisades, I was willing to see where it would go, because I didn't want to just base an opinion off of one single. I needed something um, a little bit more concrete to understand what the direction of Palisades was going to be. And where it went after that was the single back in March called Better. Better is locked into the top 100 songs of the year series because of Scenic Overlook. So I was admittedly getting pretty high on this new incarnation of the band. And then uh, there was the title track and Sober that came on as later singles. And those tracks were so fucking close to joining Better as two of those locks for the year end stuff. Like, I think those songs are like goddamn near generational. They are fucking perfect. And so... Taking all that in, in, into consideration, what reason would I have to doubt the potential of reaching hypercritical? It, it didn't exist in my mind. There was no reason for me to believe that this record was going to fault in any manner. And so last Friday, I finally had the album in hand and I listened to it all the way through on my lunch break and... It was one of the most disappointing record experiences I have had all year. And I'm not going to trash it. I'm not going to say it's a bad album because I don't believe it is. I think that it is an album that put its best foot forward in a pretty damning way. And what I mean by that is the singles just eclipse almost everything else on the record. The only song here that was not a single that I would say comes close to matching the quality of better or sober would be Frey. I think Frey is a really good song. It was kind of a little bit of a turning point for my um, my time hearing Reaching Hypercritical last week because after Frey, you get Sick of the Attitude, which is a, a pretty good song, better than something like Invincible Die Down. I, I think that song is actually like kind of boring. Um, and God, I'm, I'm trying to like really look at this track list and understand like where here do I think things went wrong? Because when I listened to My Consequences as the opener, it definitely did not hit the same way that it did as a single leading up to this record. Um, and, and then even like the title track, Reaching Hypercritical, maybe it's just like uh, fatigue on my end, but I didn't really, really feel that it elevated the album much at all. Um, and then you get into the structure of, like I said, Invincible, and then Your Misery, and then Without You, and it's like... At that point in my mind, I'm just kind of like, where is this going? Like, what am I really getting out of this record other than something that I'm going to forget I heard by the next day? And I don't mean to sound harsh, but like I said, guys, understand where my attachment with Palisades was at prior to this record. 
And I understand it's kind of a different band, but still, like, I wanted something a, a little bit more invigorating than what I ended up getting. Um, I, I do want to point out the closing track, which is uh, appropriately named Closure. There's a different pacing to that track. It, it feels more carefully constructed than something like Fade Away, for example, that's just a little bit, like, plain and almost boring. Um, there was thought put into Closure, and it was probably crafted, or not probably, I don't want to assume shit. To me, it sounds like it was crafted with the mindset that it would be the closer, and for that reason, I think Closure ended up being one of the standouts of the record, and at the same time, like I said, Frey, I think it's good. Um, better title track and, or not title track, uh, well, actually, yeah, title track. I'm, I'm kind of harsh on it now, but it is what it is. Better title track, sober, fray. Those are your four standout stars of this record. And then everything else is kind, aside from closure, kind of like struggling to reach the surface level as far as like being noticeable. And, Again, I feel bad for talking about the album in this manner because I really, really did not want that to be the case. I had high hopes for the album. I wanted to love it. I ended up just kind of accepting it for what it is, which is an album that I'm able to take a few songs from to be like, okay, I'm going to be listening to these for the rest of the year and the rest of it, you know, just kind of... It, 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 there's there's going to be work on my end to remember what any of this sounded like. I've already kind of lost some of that retention, to be completely honest. Um, it, it's a, I got, I, I hope you guys can understand like the pain that is in my voice right now, because I really, really don't want to do this, but I have to be objective and I have to be honest with all of you. Reaching hypercritical was a letdown. And I don't mean that to be a pun or a reference to a prior Palisade song. It was a genuine letdown. And I would hope that whatever's going to come out of the band next, maybe try and try and recapture some of that magic from self-titled because I feel like self-titled was the peak of the band. That was where they understood the assignment and they understood their sound. And then they kind of regressed on a race to pain. And then they really, really regressed with reaching hypercritical. And again, I understand different front man. It's going to sound different, but still I was kind of hoping for more. That's not the only time on this episode. I'm going to be negative. So I'll just, you know, forewarn that right now. Um, but let me talk about something that I'm not going to be negative on, and that is the brand new villain of the story album, Divided. So this record kind of has the opposite effect on it that Reaching Hypercritical did in the sense that my expectations for Divided were almost non-existent. Um, I have known of Villain of the Story for a while now, and a, a lot of that came because of Christian Grey's presence on YouTube, but at the same time, I won't sit here and pretend to have paid a ton of attention to this band for their entire tenure so far. Um, like honestly, my first time hearing a full length from them was Bloodshot back in 2020. And for the most part, I thought it was just fine. Uh, nothing extraordinary outside of the closing song Breathe, which I thought was fucking tremendous. And the pattern of that continues with Divided, which I'll get into in a minute. Um, so like kind of backtracking a little bit. 
My biggest memory of the singles rollout for this album was the song Karma, which still remains one of my favorite things Villain of the Story have ever done. I think that song's chorus is excellent, and it gives Christian one of his best showcases on the record. And there were other moments like that on the album, such as on the opening song Never Again, which has this epic feel to its buildup as the first thing that you hear when pressing play on Divided. Um, the song following Never Again, it's called Jester, and to me, Jester represents the one misstep that I could point out about this album, because I just couldn't really hear any of the addictive elements from other songs like Don't Go or um, Losing Control on Jester. I thought the chorus kind of fell flat, and it, it squandered another chance for Christian to have a standout performance. Um, but thankfully, there are other songs where the strengths of Villain of the Story are put on proper display, like Under My Skin, which is another one of those like catchy metalcore type songs, and then Wrong, which is a piano ballad that is so different from anything else on the record, and it makes me very curious and eager for a future release from the band that explores a concept like this to the fullest extent. Um, I, I did mention with Bloodshot how much of an attachment I had to the closing song, and I also said, like, that's kind of the same thing happening here. The title track is the closer for Divided, the title track featuring Loveless, aka The Guy, aka Him Duncan, aka Him and Neutron. Loveless is th the fucking man right now, and there's no way to stop him, and that it is carried over into Divided. I felt like his contribution in the second verse really helped cement Divided as the best song on the album. And it's a track that, like, I couldn't stop listening to it when I had it finally. Um, you know, all the respect in the world to all the other songs here except for Jester. Divided was that fucking song on the record. And to me, it is like the epitome of everything that Villain of the Story was chasing. It is the pinnacle of the record. I love it so much. I can't imagine what this record would have sounded like without that track because to me like you know at that point you know after getting through don't go then you get into divided divided is a pretty solid album that is elevated to like nearly great status because of the, the title track um i just really really enjoy that song and i am very glad that was the closing note because it kind of reaffirmed my thought that I had listening to this record that like maybe there's something more to villain of the story that I haven't been giving them enough credit for maybe instead of them being a band that I'm just like okay uh, let me go ahead and save this song just for content I can get excited for a future villain of the story shit if this record is an indicator of what they are looking to be capable of because like again there are some real fucking standout songs on this record and then in particular the title track I don't think I'm going to stop raving about that song any chance that I get for the rest of the year and then for years afterwards. It is that fucking good in my opinion. Um, I, I'm not going to call Villain of the Story like a standout band of the scene right now, but I'm going to say that this album has shown me that, um, you know, there's something more to hear than I was giving them the proper credit and respect for, definitely. Okay, being positive was fun while it lasted. Let's get negative again. Brand new, Patient 67 album, Wishful Thinking. Okay, 
Okay, so what do I know about Patient 67? Um, not a lot, actually. Um, I, I mainly found them because Tom Kylie shows up on the TL every fucking day. And at that point, it's like, well, fuck, dude, let me check out your band while I'm at it. And I, I think they've had their moments before in the past. Like, they had a single last year called The Ken Burns Effect. And, um, it, it's actually really, really fucking good. And it channels every bit of like, 2000s post-hardcore and metalcore that I am forever and always such a mark for. Um, and, and then after that was when the singles roll out for Wishful Thinking began. I, I actually believe that the first two singles, Damage Plan and Wayfarer, they kind of embody what is going on with the tracks here that I didn't dislike or thought were boring. Um, they barely clear that line of being good. So, like, what I mean by that is that I, I have those two particular songs at a rating of 4 out of 5 for this review, and the same thing happened to Stay Paranoid 2 and Scattered. To me, they sound just fine. There's nothing evidently bad about any of those. There's just also nothing evidently exceptional about them, and that's where my feelings lie with the material here that didn't get below a four. Um, I, I did go with a five rating for one song, that being Fault Line, which got its score because to me, that track is the most in alignment with the praise I was giving the Ken Burns effect about playing to the strengths of Patient 67 in terms of being able to succeed in giving me this nostalgic sensation for how Metalcore was in a past life. And that then leaves me with uh, another point to make about all of the feature songs, and I, I don't really know like what went wrong, and I'm not really sure why all of these songs just happen to do nothing to impress me. And I I'm not going to put that on the guest vocalist at all, because look at who is there. Uh, Kellen Quinn from Singing with Sirens, Brian Willey from Currents, uh, Julian Komu from Loveless, who I just talked about being him and... That's mostly accurate, but with his guest spot on Colors, I didn't actually really think he contributed a lot of positive elements to it. And, you know, that really, really does suck, because otherwise, I stand by what I mentioned about Julian being him. Um, and, and then there is the song, Who You Chose To Be, which features Joey Varela from Varsity. And that one hurt me to admit I didn't like, because... I think Varsity are unsung heroes of the scene right now, but I just felt like that track's attempt at a slow drum and bass rhythm really highlighted what might have sounded like a good idea, but ultimately it really, really failed, I thought. Um, that song is, in the end, just... It, it is to this album what Storm in a Teacup was to Till Death by Capture the Crown, except I kind of ironically like Storm in a Teacup. And I, I don't want to make this review sound like I'm just riding off Patient 67. I understand this was, you know, their first album. It's literally the debut full length. And was I expecting anything perfect? No. Was I expecting anything good? I don't know. Maybe. Maybe it wasn't. So it's not, you know, Palisades in the sense of like, 
oh, I was expecting something better, but it's also not villain of the story where I can come on here and talk about how surprised I was by how much I liked wishful thinking. Um, it exists, and sometimes just existing is not as good as if I was like super high on this album or if I was super bummed out about it, because then at least if I was bummed out about it, it would have been memorable. But right now, it's kind of just there. Like It's just an album that I listen to. It's just something that I'm reviewing. Um, I think Fault Line has a chance at being like a, a song that achieves some kind of staying power with me, but otherwise... What am I going to remember Wishful Thinking for being a record that I reviewed? And nothing more, nothing less. That's not really, really a good thing. And that leaves me with one final album. One of the biggest fucking surprises for all of the right reasons of the year so far. Welcome to the Chaos by Fame on Fire. Just saying the name Fame on Fire in the context that I'm going to speak about this record in is admittedly fucking crazy. Because I had written them off before in the past as being a cover band right there alongside Our Last Night in the most irritating manner possible. Because to me, at least Our Last Night had original bangers back then through Oak Island and Younger Dreams. I found Fame on Fire in 2017 off of a cover of Exo Tour Life by Lil Uzi Vert. All my friends are dead. Push me to the edge. Yeah, dog, push me to the fucking edge with this bullshit. Because it was already becoming insufferable largely thanks to our last night. So another band coming along with this gimmick was not what I needed in my stratosphere. And then they did fucking... Gucci Game by Lil Pump and Sad by XXXTentacion and God's Plan by Drake and it was just the fucking worst and I couldn't imagine this band actually putting out anything original afterwards that I would give a shit about. And the thing is that like when they're doing all of this stuff, to me, it clouded anything original that they could have put out. So when their proper debut album, Levels, dropped in 2020, I skipped it. I was like, I'm good. I don't need this. I I really didn't even bother to hear it back then. It was just like, not something I felt like giving myself any space to even try to pay attention to. Um, So where did all that change? Where did the turning point come for me to actually at least marginally care about Fame on Fire, because it was definitely not from any other cover stuff. Um, I don't remember like what song or, or artist spawned this, but I was listening to one of those Spotify radio stations where like random songs would come up, and one of the songs was Her Eyes, which was off of Levels. And I, I'm guessing like maybe I was just like, too tired at the time to try and change the song so I was like whatever I'll let it play or maybe like my phone wasn't in the room with me just my airpods I don't remember exactly how it went but for some reason skipping her eyes wasn't really an option and so I heard the song and I was like uh, 
Wait a second. Wait a fucking second. This goes. Like, no cap. This goes. This is excellent. This is really, really, really fucking good. Like, it, it did not take long at all for the chorus of her eyes to just, like, be embedded into my brain. And it kind of made me think, like, okay, is there something here that I was not giving myself the chance to experience because of this preconceived notion I established towards their original material kind of unfairly, to be honest. So that is what led me to, at the start of the year, deciding to give this band the chance and some time on this platform to really impress me because now I knew that the possibility of that happening was actually there. So the rollout for Welcome to the Chaos began and I paid attention to the singles and I reviewed all of them. Uh, Plastic Heart came out in January and I had to admit to myself that I thought it was excellent. And then getting through the other singles like Lost in Doubt and Ketamine, I genuinely started wondering if and when they were going to miss because they had not done so yet with the singles. And the the chances of it happening on the album I thought were great, but it wasn't really something I was hoping for. Like I wasn't preying on the downfall of Fame on Fire. I wanted them to shut me the fuck up on Welcome to the Chaos. I just didn't know for a fact that, that was going to happen. So then I had the album finally last week, and then it was the final record I reviewed, I think Sunday. And I, I pressed play on it, and you have the intro song, which is appropriately named Intro, and it is kind of like this circus-like feeling of a song that bleeds into the title track, which features Spencer Charnas from Ice Nine Kills. And hearing that song... It didn't sound to me like just some random addition of a guest spot with no connection to the song's material. Spencer balances Brian's voice perfectly, and this is such a powerful combination for this track. Um, the other feature spot on the record comes out on the song Emo Shit, which features Cody Levine, or Levine, who I admittedly don't know a ton about, but he did a great job on this song, and I, I do have to say... It's very corny in its lyricism, but at the same time, I'd be lying if I said I wasn't listening to the chorus and was thinking like, yo, me as fuck. Um, and, and then like after the halfway mark of the album, you've pretty much gotten through all of the, or almost all the singles. And so the possibility of the record declining grew substantially, yet with every passing song from robbery to rotting away it was becoming more and more clear to me that Fame on Fire actually fucking did it and put out this ridiculously quality piece of work that is able to break the chains of repetition in a very strange way because I could admit that there isn't a lot to differentiate these songs from one another. Like, even the closing track, Dead or Alive, which is my favorite from the album, like, what really distinguishes that track from Jaded? And then what distinguishes Jaded from Cutthroat? I'm going to say kind of nothing, and I can admit that. There's not a ton of variety here, and that's maybe the only fault I can find with the record. It lacks in versatility. But what it shows me is that Fame on Fire found a formula that worked for them, 
and they stuck to it and they found a way to master that formula for uh fucking 13 consecutive tracks and never once find themselves on some kind of a downward spiral it's really um like remarkable to me that this is the case because almost any other band following this pattern it would have failed and if you asked me at the start of the year would fame on fire have failed this pattern i would have said yeah maybe and then now i'm sitting here telling all of you guys that i think they not only delivered but they perfected this craft it's weird for me to say that it's a little bit dumb i honestly know because like who am I going to convince sitting here that Fame on Fire released a perfect album? I don't know, because I wouldn't have been able to convince myself of that years ago. But it's just one of those instances where I have to like be honest and say, like, yeah, I got this wrong. Like, Fame on Fire, they're actually immensely fucking talented. And if you are anything like me and you wrote them off because of cover shit and you didn't give levels a chance... Welcome to the Chaos is worth at least exploring. It's worth the time. It's worth the effort to put into to get into. And I know that for myself, had I stuck to my ignorant guns and just denied Fame on Fire for the rest of the time, I would have been robbing myself of a flawless album experience with Welcome to the Chaos. And that's it. That was every album and single from last week for me to review. It's pretty late here, and I still have to edit the episode and then go to sleep and then wake up in the morning for work, so I'm really not trying to take up more time. But I will just reaffirm this point. I need hoopers in this scene. I need bands to start putting up some fucking numbers because I really, really, really want to celebrate 50 records at the end of this year. But with this current trajectory, I don't know if I'm going to be able to do that. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And... As always, for better or worse, let's make a scene.